0: All right, my friends, here we go. We are back with another exciting edition of How of Carbs, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. This is, as you know, my friends, a food podcast for the hungry people by the hungry people, and I am your hungry host, Joe House. A little bit of housekeeping before we get to today's show, my friends. First, lovely note from a listener to the House of Carbs on the Twitter. This is from Gio Palatucci, who says, I love being a podcast pal, but shouldn't House of Carbs listeners be called Taste Buds? Gio, I love it. I'm using it. I'm stealing it. I think you volunteered it. My Taste Buds, we have a very... Happy announcement. My taste buds, I am very excited to announce the House of Carbs is on the Instagram with its own Insta handle. We are at the House of Carbs. If you go on there right now, you will see a little bit of the belly sourcing that I enjoyed last week out in Los Angeles. Sampling some of Chef Alvin Kailan's wonderful egg slut. Juliet Lippman and I went on a coffee tour. Get on that. Instagram. We're at the House of Carbs. Check it out. We will be posting lots of items of interest, pictures, some of your pictures, so keep hitting us on the Twitter, the Instagram, anywhere you can send us the pictures. We'll get them up there. Today's show, as always, outstanding. You may know her as one of the stars of the Binge Mode podcast series, also a star on After the Thrones, the beautiful series that was published on the Twitter after each Game of Thrones episode this season. She is, to us, the magistrate of mobile menus, the grand dame of great delivery. The ringer's own Mallory Rubin is on to break down the current state of food delivery with me. But coming up right now, very honored to chat with Filipino Angelino, Chef Alvin Kailan, who has been hustling in New York at the Chef's Club counter. He introduced New Yorkers to his egg slut expertise. I was introduced to it last week, and let me tell you, it went right in my belly. Let's get in that belly with Chef Kailan. Podcast pals, I am very excited for today's guest. I I, I know he's going to be humble, I, but I can say these things about him: one man, toward a force, possibly the hardest working man on the LA food scene. Although I know that he lives in New York, <laughs> but with the hustle, we 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 have restaurants, we have pop ups, we have incubator, we have a cookbook. He's expanding the empire. Chef Alvin Kailan, welcome hello, hello. to
1: House of Carbs. Thank you for having me. <laughs> My friend, thank you.
0: So we're, look, we, we're we going to jump right in. Um, we were having a little chat ahead of time. I wish we'd recorded every, every bit of it. I'm going to make you repeat yourself. Oh, all good. Yeah, so um, I confess to you that I have never experienced the wondrous
1: joy of the egg slut. Right, I mean... I hear you're gonna. Soon. Today's the day. T- is it
0: today? Today's well, I'm, we're, we have a little uh, coffee tour coming up this yeah, afternoon, right? I'm going to do the L.A. foo foo coffee tour because right. I understand that that's a it's a thing. You're supposed to go try some oh, some man. incredible.
1: I I didn't realize how crazy coffee was in L.A. until I left L.A. And uh, I started living in New York because in New York, it's like it's impossible to wait 15 minutes for a cup of coffee. Right. Like in New York, you'll kind of get like nobody stands for that. Yeah. You'll get crucified for for having a 15 minute cup of coffee. But in L.A., we have that much time. So therefore, there's (laughs) a bunch of really foo-foo coffee shops. Right. And I I think that like egg sluts, egg sluts uh, growth came, you know, Parallel with the trajectory of like boutique coffee shops because oh, interesting. Um, when I realized that I wanted to do a breakfast food truck, I was like, well, if people are going to start buying $6 coffee, well, they're going to buy a you know $6 bacon, egg, and cheese. Yeah. So I started calling up all of these coffee shops that were popping up, uh, Intelligentsia and Silver Lake, uh, Coffee Commissary and Fairfax. And next thing you know, they're like, yeah, you know what? Like, serious coffee shops, we don't do real breakfast. So it would be perfect if you just pop out and 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 park your truck in front of uh, our space. And next thing you know, good coffee and exit coincided. That's unbelievable. I, yeah. I, I'm
0: so glad that I didn't know that that was going to be the answer. I'm so glad we stumbled into <laughs>
1: yeah, that. Yeah, I know. I mean, that was kind of the business plan. 3 months after opening egg sled as a food truck it was like you know what we got to stop chasing these people to give them breakfast let's just go where they're at go where they are yeah
0: so uh the first first things first it's an incredible name how <laughs> did you guys come up with the name
1: well it, it was like a foodie term then um like working on the line and you know like 15 years ago 12 years ago uh, uh you know eggs were the thing like sous vide eggs like it was like new technology and everyone was putting eggs on everything pasta they're putting it inside raviolis they're putting it on top of ramen they're putting it on top of everything and it was like a term to describe people who like put eggs on everything this over devotion to eggs right and or i think yeah i think the first person to like ever say egg slut was Wiley Dufresne. Oh, okay, sure. Um, and he called himself an egg slut because like every morning he goes to, I just found this out because he's opening up a donut shop right next to the restaurant that I'm working at in New York. Oh. And uh, he goes to the same restaurant every day. Every morning he gets an egg and cheese sandwich and he doesn't eat it right away. He, he puts it in his office and he does his thing. He waits like a couple of hours oh. until it's like the perfect temperature for him to eat it. Why,
0: why does two hours? Why would I, I guess what's it's the passage it, of
1: time due to it? I don't know what it does to the egg sandwich, but yeah. for him it's perfect. Okay. And um room so, temperature egg sandwich. Yeah. So when you when when you describe egg slut, that's exactly what it what it is. It's like someone who's that devoted to yeah. eggs, someone who loves eggs that much. And so I, I think I would I would say Wiley Dufresne was the first person to say it. Uh Anthony Bourdain has said it numerous times on his show. Sure. Uh, I just was the guy who trademarked it. Okay. <laughs> right, so it's like uh, I capitalized on the fact that it was a great name. I moved back from Portland to Los Angeles where I'm from. And I was like, if this is going to work, this is the only city in the world that this name would work because we're pretty progressive out here. And, yeah. like you know, using the word slut is is not as bad as it used to be. so. Yeah, sure well, that, enough. That's, that's right. I'm trying to think of how we would do some egg slut shaming. You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah. Wiley,
0: how can you let that sandwich sit for three hours? That's, anyway, <laughs> that's dumb. Um, you mentioned, I want to cover a little bit of your your uh-huh. background. You were in Portland right. and um, working uh, lines
1: at, yeah. that, at that point. Yeah, I went to culinary school out there. I worked for free at all the top restaurants. Um, I really just dedicated myself to the craft of, of of culinary arts, and I had a paying job, which was at a like a McCormick and Schmick's uh, steakhouse, yeah. and that that was my paying job. But like a, I would like moonlight and and hang out in like all the the trendy restaurants and like peel potatoes for like the best chef of the city or whatever. And then ultimately they ended up hiring me, and that's when like my fine dining career started. So mm-hmm. yeah, Portland is uh it's an interesting city <laughs> when, I, I saw your
0: um, you spent a little bit of time at
1: French laundry
0: as well yeah well,
1: you, I, I actually wanted to work there uh-huh. <laughs> you know Do so, tell. so I, it was at the time where like every line cook in the world wanted to work at the French laundry and you know like they gave me a chance to be there I I, I got to watch one day and then I got to cook one another day and after that the end of the day they were just like hey you know what like we could uh, use your help at Bouchon, which is like their browser, or bistro mm-hmm. down the street. And I went there and I worked there for a few a few weeks. And I started realizing, like, what what am I doing here? You know, I'm staying on someone's couch. I'm not getting paid. Yeah. It's really expensive to live out here. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna trek back down to Los Angeles. Amazing things are happening. Mm-hmm. Um, John and Vinny were doing Animal. Right. Um, and Animal was like their Opal based restaurant. And like, I was like, people are eating this in Los Angeles. Like, things are changing. Cause in LA, the reason why I left and the reason why I wanted to like learn food, um, you know, 15 years ago was because in LA, all you had were steakhouses and sushi. Uh. Like, that was, like, the fanciest you got. Like, you would go to, like, um, Nobu for sushi, and you go to Mastro's for steak, and that was fine dining. And then now it's, like, all this middle road start food started to open up, you know, like, Animal, and um, Joseph Centeno did Lazy Ox in downtown, and I was like, dude, these things are, like, these little, like, fancier, um, not fine dining restaurants are opening. I'm like, dude, this is, like, right up my alley. I'm going to come back to L.A. And, uh... Dave LeFevre, who opened up uh, MB Posts, uh-huh. used to be in Water Grill, Michelin star chef. Some guy like looked up to. I was like, "Hey, dude, I heard you're opening a restaurant. Do you need help?" He's like, "Dude, I need your help. Let's let's go." So That's great. I came back to LA, and um, so when did the inspiration for Egg Slut come along? Uh, it went through numerous years of working brunch. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know. Working brunch in a fine dining restaurant—it's kind of like your saving grace. Yeah, uh, it's where we made up like a lot of our our revenue to pay for labor and all that stuff. So, um, but the thing about working brunch in fine dining as opposed to a hotel is like you have to cook everything perfectly. It's got to be on point. Like yeah, poached mm-hmm. eggs have to be perfect. Scrambled eggs have to be perfect. And it was the first time I'd ever eaten soft scrambled eggs in my life. Yes, and it changed the way I viewed eggs. Uh, cuz i like growing up i ate eggs all the time like there was always three things in the in the in the in the refrigerator was eggs milk and rice right yeah. like day old rice so i've always been able to cook eggs since i was a kid but cooking them properly i was like dude this should be something everyone should experience well not just properly so you you acquired a reputation of being you know right. a, a a legendary soft scrambled egg chef right I yeah it's an
0: in- interesting dish yeah to, like, it's own your craft
1: it's dog. funny because when i was cooking the menu at my house um and i had cousins come over and try the menu and friends and they're like dude what the what is this <laughs> and i was like dude it's soft scrambled egg this is how they eat in europe like huh and they're like, dude, this is so weird, but it's like, it's super good. Right. I never thought eggs were supposed to be like, because, you know, we're used to like cooked out, right. fluffy. right? Um, and so I was like, okay, well, if this is going to spark your curiosity, this is like the right direction, uh-huh. you know? So I, <clears throat> I saved up about $13,000. I sold like my car and then I opened a food truck and the next thing you know, you know, Ruth Reichel. Um, former editor and chief of Gourmet magazine, yeah. she blogged about our food, and then we've so had... very
0: early on, yeah. You, you hit, you hit a, like a real success, yeah. kind of right out of the box through the combination of your good thinking on you know right. where, where to put the truck to right. get the best bag. Exactly.
1: The buck. I think if I didn't put it in front of gourmet coffee or third wave coffee shops, mm-hmm. I don't think I I would have gotten the success that I've gotten today because. Again, it was a parallel thing like gourmet or for third wave coffee, boutique coffee shops, and then breakfast. Yeah, just grew together in LA.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. So, you have a couple different um egg slut brick and mortar here in the in in the greater LA area, right? One in in Vegas, right? As well, uh, is it is it going to make its way to the east coast?
1: Um, you know, we're I'm in the East Coast now. Yeah, um, you just moved. You told me. Yeah, so I've been back and forth. I come to LA once, a, once, a, once a month, and um, I'm really there just to 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 learn New York, uh-huh. um, and to learn the East Coast. It's completely different beast, like Los Angeles. You know, we breakfast gets busy at ten a.m. right because everyone's sleeping in. We have all the time in the world, right? Right. Like, if you if you're not out beating traffic, then you're good. Like, ten a.m. is your time. And um, New York, it's like seven thirty to nine thirty, or bust. Right? Like, you it's people who are up early or they're up really really late. So it's like it's like it's a whole new thing. Plus, you got to factor in weather. You got to factor in your location because people don't drive out there you have to be close to a subway stop like there's certain things that like I if I were to just go there and open a restaurant and being from California and not knowing much about like business in New York yeah I would totally fall flat on my face so right now I'm just like ing- ingraining myself into the community learning from from chefs like John George mm. and 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 um you know just really soaking it in before I actually jump out and do a restaurant in New York City just purely because I have so much respect for that place. So let's talk about what you're doing in
0: New York. Right. What's the
1: project? So I'm working uh, with Chef's Club. Uh, They just opened a fast casual restaurant called Chef's Chef's Club Counter. Okay. And um, so basically, it's like, if you look at it like a, in music, it's like a playlist and every... Menu item is a song by a different chef. Oh, so we have like a hot chicken sandwich by Morgan oh. McGlone, we okay. have a burger from John George, we have pizza from Magnus, like this Swedish um, Michelin star chef. Like, uh, we have a grain bowl from L- L- Lipton Ho- Linton Hopkins. I always mess up his name. <laughs> um, and then you have breakfast stuff from me, so it's kind of like a, a mix of, of, uh all these Michelin star chefs and me, because like everyone has a Michelin star except for me, um, and um, you know we created. Got to make you feel good though. Oh yeah, right. It, it, like you know, like the fact that I got to meet John George and now like actually be friends with him and yeah. like learn from him, like uh it, it's 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 unreal. It makes everything worth it because it's like, dude, this is a dude I've like admired since I was a kid. Right. You know what I yeah, mean? Right. Like, so. Yeah, I'm out there trying to do their, their food justice and, and also push out our food um, to the max so that at least people can say, oh, I've had Alvin's food and it tastes good as opposed to, oh, this hot shit chef from L.A. is nah. coming to New York. <laughs> well, I,
0: I I started off by calling you the hardest working man because, right. you know, in addition to to the egg slut and this project right. uh, it, you have going to New York, you have a cookbook right. underway, yeah, right? Oh little- my
1: gosh, yeah! So I, last year I I did this Filipino pop up just purely to gauge. Or actually, it's been two years now. Um, just to gauge like the, the curiosity of Filipino food in America, and it just took off. It's having a moment,
0: my yeah, friend. Yeah, yeah. Filipino food is the
1: thing. Yeah, it's it's crazy because now you know I'm getting more interviews about Filipino food than I am at Exla and. Um, You know, I I, I spoke to someone who worked for for Bloomberg and and they were saying that like Filipino food has surpassed Korean food and uh, actually any ethnic food on Google as a searched item. Wow. Yeah. What
0: what do you think is is behind Filipino food having this moment?
1: You know what? Uh, I've had this conversation with so many Filipino chefs and we all have the same exact story. And it's, our our parents came here in the late 70s and 80s. Um, they had us early 80s. Yeah. You know, we went through the whole, you know, grade school, college thing. Some of us went to become a nurse or whatever, uh, accountants, engineers. But then there's like the knuckleheads like me. <laughs> and we were like stuck at home. We're watching these infomercials and it's like, Oh, I should go to culinary school because these guys are going to culinary school on TV. So we go to culinary school just so I can get a degree because that's so important in a Filipino family, right? Like you have to get a degree in something because it's like your rite of passage. Once you get a degree, your parents wipe their hands and you're like, get that out of my house, you know? (laughs) I got it. So, you know, we all went to culinary school and then like we all worked 15 years in the industry and we've got to the executive chef level. And now it's 2017. And we're all executive chef level chefs, and where do we go? Mm-hmm. You know, we're not getting jobs at you know Hyatt to be the food and beverage manager because we don't have those degrees from like really expensive schools. We just went to culinary school. So our next thing is is we do pop ups and we do we do these things, and the next thing you know, they just grow. Like the curiosity grows from Filipino food, and you know now we're here. It's we're about to go into you know the new year. And Filipino food is one of the best or most searched ethnic foods in in in, in America. And I, I honestly think it's just through the evolution of, of us migrating, Filipinos migrating to America in large amounts in the late 70s and 80s. And then now their offspring is just at that level. Our friends are executive chefs. Our friends are celebrity chefs. So they're helping us promote Filipino food um and i i honestly think that's the reason why filipino food's blown up.
0: What's well, an incredible like coincidence and i don't i don't mean um to to denigrate it at all right. by using that word but you guys your cohort coming of age at right. this moment um that happens to coincide with this um, great awakening of the American palate, right. where other ethnicities and other ways of doing food has, has, has really caught on, right. and in no small part because of the incredible social media moment. Right, people love food on the yeah. social media; they go crazy for yeah. it. the Instagram accounts and the and the Twitter stuff. It's, it's just outrageous. Yeah, it's
1: amazing because you know, like you know, five years ago, if you were to say Filipino food was going to take off. I wouldn't believe you. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is because, you know, like fish sauce was still new and like right. all these funky flavors are yeah. still new. And you know, luckily we had Thai food and we've had Korean food kind of like break that open. Yeah. And then now Filipino foods become like, oh wow. Like people are t- trying and they're like, oh my God, I didn't know that had Filipino food had so much flavor. And it's like, yeah, you know, we're from the Southeast Asia. Like, right. you know, we <laughs> we we make crazy funky stuff. And like, um in this day and age, because of social media and because people are such advanced eaters yeah. now, yeah, because well, the information is so yeah, good, you the, can, yeah, you, 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 can, you can
0: really self
1: curate. Like I'm, I'm curious. I want to try this exactly. Uh, it's it just the timing is 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 perfect for Filipino food, and uh, you know, right now, it's not about like talking about Filipino food being a trend. Now it's more like let's let's try to educate our our customers. Um, and tell them why and why we make this food mm-hmm. or, you know, where this food comes from, because I mean, we I don't want to be a flash in the pan, you know, like we're definitely not going to be sushi in 1980s. Right. right? Like we're not going to be. But we could definitely be like Pad Thai. Uh-huh. You know, we could be a fixture on a weekly rotating menu schedule and people's repertoire of food choices, right? Yeah, you know? yeah, for
0: sure. No, I mean, the diversity of influences in Filipino food, right. in my experience. So I'm lucky. I, I'm in Washington, D.C., Right, good-sized Filipino community right. there in D.C. And, and a restaurant that really came to the fore in the last couple of years, Bad right. Saint, for right. doing just incredibly innovative take on on, um, on Filipino yeah, food. Yeah,
1: they're, they're amazing. Chef Tom Cunanan is a good friend of ours. He comes to New York. Ever so often, we paint the the town red. Yeah, he's, nice. he's he's a crazy dude, uh, but yeah, like those types of guys have now, like they got number two restaurant in the country last year. Bon Appetit. Mm-hmm. So you know, I don't know if you guys know this about the Filipino community, but once someone becomes that popular, they've become like they're 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 like projected to like they're like the best thing that ever happened to the Philippines, right? <laughs> so it's like you know we had Manny Pacquiao for years, yes. <clears throat> You know, and then you know he fell off, and you know like. Every single celebrity, whether it's Bruno Mars or Vanessa Hutchins, who are like part Filipino, we're yeah. like, oh, they're Filipino. Now it's like, oh, chef Tom kunanan he's the number two chef in the in, in the country. He's Filipino. So like it's it's kind of like we've we've kind of like uplifted our, our community by like, you know, doing such great food. And like Tom Cunada is one of them. Um, such a great guy. He, you know, he got nominated for a James Beard this year, and yeah. it's like he's totally breaking all these barriers as a Filipino-American.
0: Well, I was telling you before um, we started, my experience at, at Bad Saint, it's just an incredible Uh, bombardment of all the senses
1: because it's in a
0: very tiny space. It's in like a 20-seater, an old D.C., old-school row house that's probably 85 or 90 years old. I'm sure they had incredible challenges just building a kitchen in the the joint. But when you go in there and you sit and eat in there, you're literally in the kitchen, like right. you're experiencing the cooking as it's as as it's uh, occurring, and the food is coming literally from. It's like a four yeah. and a half foot walk, and you're yeah. having it exactly the way the chef intends it. Right. So it's just a, it's a super vibe out. Like, yeah, I mean, exactly. I think
1: I think uh, that size restaurant. I mean, I'm sure they're probably like Alvin. I, you know, we want to get bigger. I, I'm, I'm not sure, but you know, it's vibe, man. Like yeah. when even if it's 20 seats and it's packed, and you can hear the kitchen. You could hear things cooking. It's just an amazing experience, you know? And I think that, like, they totally nailed it. Uh, as far as being a representative of Filipino food here in in, in America because it's like that's exactly what people want. You yeah. know, people want to be a part of the process in restaurants.
0: So that's another perfect segue. Um, you had uh, founded or co-founded an incubator here right. in L.A. Yeah, I, I think mainly with a Filipino focus. Is that right? right?
1: Well, you know, it just so happened again. We, we had a bunch of Filipino chefs here in L.A. that, you know, like the sous chef of Bastia, um, the chef de cuisine of um, Otis and Penelope, uh, you know, the executive pastry chef for all of jo- Joseph Santino's restaurants, like all of these big time players in in the culinary game are Filipino. And, you know, I just wanted to get to know these people. So I would invite them to my kitchen that I use as a test kitchen. And I was like, hey, you guys want to come and cook with me? And next thing you know, it just turned into like, hey, can I do a pop-up here? Can I do a pop-up here? And it's like, yeah, absolutely. And Lhasa, um... Cause they're they're like the Filipino restaurant in Los Angeles right now. Uh, they they invited us to um, their pop up in Glendale one day, and they like the food just blew my mind. And I was like, these guys have to be featured in my my new restaurant concept, which was how about you start off trying out a restaurant before you open one so you don't waste your money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah, know, because, right, right. Like, it, you know, I I come from that where it's like, dude, like, I, you know. If I had this opportunity before, I wouldn't have never encountered half the problems that I did, you know, growing up in this industry. So yeah. I wanted to pay it forward to the industry. I wanted to do something great. And it just so happened, like, all these Filipino chefs started to work out of there. And, and you know, we we developed three out of the five best restaurants in Los Angeles in 2016. Um, two of the chefs, one Rising Star Chef Fords. Mm-hmm. So it's like we created like this little incubator of awesomeness in in Los Angeles, which I think will probably shape the future of food, at least in Chinatown, if not downtown. Yeah, right, yeah.
0: right. So, what's your experience so far in in New York? Have you encountered any like mature Filipino <laughs> uh, you um, know, cooking in in New York?
1: Yeah, you know, I so New York is the home of Amy Bessa and chef Romy, they do purple yam. Um, oh yeah yeah, I know purple yam. Yeah, that that restaurant I think is I consider it the mecca of Filipino food in America. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, sh- uh, sh- you know, Amy Bessa's like her book sh- sh- is called Philippine The Memoirs of Philippine Kitchen and it's literally the bible of most Filipino chefs in the city at, in LA. So when I'm going to New York, I met her uh-huh. and I ate their food and it just blew my mind. I was just like, "This, these guys are real. They've been doing this for 30 years. And it's like, you know, it's completely different, right? Because you, when you're coming to LA, you're getting like these avant-garde Filipino restaurants and like you taste like uh, a variation of that dish. Mm-hmm. Um, when you go to Purple Yam, you taste the traditional version, but made with high technique. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like you're it's like as if your grandma or your aunt or whoever makes the best food in your house that makes the best home comfort food actually had culinary training and made it for you. Oh, you know what I mean? So it's like you're getting these traditional recipes, but super high technique. And it's just blowing your mind because you're like, oh, my God, I've never had meat this tender before because my dad would overcook the crap out of this (laughs) growing up, you know. And so, like, you know, the Filipino food in New York uh, and I'm. Speaking purely based on purple yam is mm-hmm. is completely different from Los Angeles. The Filipino community out there is a little different from the community out here. Sure, you know it's yeah. a very New York is a very proud city.
0: So you mentioned Amy's
1: um, cookbook, your cookbook, Amboy, right? Uh, tell me about the name. So Amboy is what I am. I'm American-born Filipino. Um, I grew up in East LA, uh-huh. and all my friends were Latino. Yeah, so I was Filipino but they called me Chino, which means Chinese. And then, you know, like I ate burritos growing up, uh-huh. I ate tacos, I ate Mexican food. And then at home, my parents would cook Filipino food mm. and my dad was in construction. So he was very much a grill guy, you know, like my dad would buy a grill every, a different grill every year, a bigger and better one every year. <laughs> yeah. And in order to justify those purchases, he'd had to cook dinner. All right. And so he would make Filipino food but on a grill on fire yeah so like that was like a completely different flip and like when i would go to other friends that are filipino and i'd eat at their house i'm like you guys don't grill this like we do at Mm -hmm. our house so Mm -hmm. it's like i got trained completely different on filipino food because my dad would always cook in the backyard and then when i go to the philippines i'm not filipino because I'm from America. Oh, okay. Like I got baggy jeans, you know, wearing a jersey. So like that's where amboy comes from. Like amboy it specifically means like you are not originally a Filipino, but you're from America. You're an American Filipino person and okay. you stick out like a sore thumb when you go to to the Philippines. So how how
0: what's the cookbook going to be about?
1: It's it's basically the way I interpret, as an American person, Mm -hmm. Filipino food. So, like, I will get—like, for example, I just did this thing with People magazine, and um, it's a recipe for a Filipino omelet with ground beef. Mm -hmm. And traditionally, it's, like, super burnt eggs— um, you know, and it's served like a pancake. Okay. Right. And I serve it like in layers. Mm. So, like, I make a layer of omelets and then I cut it like a, like a cake, it's like, oh. like a triangle. And there's layers of ground beef, egg, ground yes. beef. Yes. So what's this, what's this dish called? It's called Dortang Gniling. It's like, I must look this up. Yeah, it's like it's it's inspired by the Spanish tortilla. Okay, right? Sure,
0: sure, right? Yeah. So,
1: um, so I use like my techniques that I've learned to make a Spanish tortilla, uh-huh. which I I have working brunch in a fine dining restaurant. That's something that you feature, right? And then I mix it with Filipino ingredients right. and Filipino inspired techniques um, to make a. F- an american style filipino tortilla <laughs> you Damn. see what i'm saying like Damn. It, it, up. and and that's how and i think that's how filipino food right now is in america where it's like we're taking renditions of filipino food and we're not we're not watering the, them down by any means we're just pro- putting proper technique towards them well,
0: you know i i'm i is your dad's grilling technique going to make uh, an appearance in the oh, book oh yeah, yeah totally yeah. i mean this I is mean, what i'm saying this is a, i hadn't heard about this yeah, before yeah it's
1: a whole it's a whole thing i mean, like uh, you know, bistec is like a, a very popular Filipino dish. It's stewed beef with onions. Mm-hmm. My dad would grill the steak, oh. medium medium well, oh. never ever medium rare, <laughs> and then he would grill the onions uh-huh. on the grill, and then he'd 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 put the citrus on there and soy sauce, and that was bistec. That's how I ate bistec growing up. Oh. You know, you know, adobo ch- adobo chicken uh-huh. is usually a stewed chicken dish. Right. My dad would grill the chicken and then stew it. So it had, like, elements of smoky flavors, blah, blah, blah. Like, I I, I was really exposed to, like, really crazy flavor building. Yes. From such a young age. And, and it's purely because my dad did everything on a grill. Huh. He cooked outside. And I also think it was because my mom's, like, she's kind of, like, A neat freak, yeah, and she hated when the house would smell like food. Oh, okay, yeah. So she encouraged. She encouraged it. Yeah, my mom doesn't cook at all. Like she's the type of person who literally left a pot of boiling water and left the house and almost burned the house down. (laughs)
0: Well, isn't that flipping the script a little bit in terms of the the Filipino tradition? Right, yeah. Typically, the mom is in the kitchen doing the the stews, right? Yeah, Yeah. exactly.
1: Like my mom, see, you know, my mom and dad are completely different people. My mom grew up with a silver spoon. Okay. Uh, She had maids, so she never cooked in her life. And my dad came from like a family of 13 people, Uh and he was like one of the older ones, so he had to cook. He was hustling. Yeah, he had to cook. So— you know, you, till this day, I mean, you, 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 we just visited my mom yesterday, and and she was like, "Your dad's been gone for two weeks, and I've I haven't eaten anything." <laughs> like, <laughs> she's like, she's like, she's like, all I do is cook spam and 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 eat spam and rice. And I was like, "Dude, what are you doing?" <laughs> Come like, on. Yeah. Oh god. So yeah, I mean, it's a completely different thing. Yeah, they flipped it. The social norm is not social normal at my house at all. Yeah, that's that's
0: fantastic. <laughs> now, um. One of the things we do here on this show—I don't know if you heard this—I'm going to spring it on you. Okay. We we ask uh, esteemed guests to to go through their last meal on Earth. Oh. And you, I'll give you a couple seconds to think about it because okay. I'm also going to ask you when we're done to, to point me in the right direction in terms of what I need to order today from Egg oh. when I get over there. That'll be an easy one. Yeah. But think about – give us give us three or four or five dishes. Or it could be one dish. If it's right. you your last meal, right. I'm not going to tell you how to eat your last
1: meal. Right. Let, let's hear one uh, or two e- things on you your know, last meal on Earth. I've, I've had – this is a popular question that we ask. Oh, this is like a drinking question whenever we hang oh, okay. out with well, industry. Good. That makes me feel better. Yeah, industry people, and I've you know I, I've I've done a lot of. A lot of self-examining, drinking and thinking. Uh, oh yeah, drinking like, and thinking, know, no doubt. Like, like right now, currently in the last you know few years of my life, it's like I've all been about red meat. Like, oh, I love steak. I love. I want like you know like I want that crazy you know Kobe beef. Yes. you know I want eight ounces of that pure fattiness, right? Uh-huh. But nothing takes me back like garlic fried rice, two sunny side up eggs, mm. and like spam. Mm. Wow! Yeah, all right. Because I, you know, that reminds me of a time in life. It was like every Saturday morning, mm-hmm. you know, like before I can even watch cartoons. Uh, being an eighties, eighties baby, yeah, that was a huge thing, right? right? Like you got to wake up Saturday morning and have watch your cartoons. Uh, I come from a, a family where my dad would wake you up at five thirty in the morning, <clears throat> and then you'd have to like do your chores first. So I'm, like, out there washing my dad's car at 6 a.m.
0: On a Saturday? Yeah,
1: on a Saturday morning. Pops. Mowing the grass. And then by 7.30, 8 o'clock, there's a, my dad would make a spread. It's, like, eggs, garlic rice, spam, longanisa, which is Filipino sausages. Oh. Um, and, like, these cured, um, like, almost, like, beef jerky-style uh, beef. Okay. And I would just load up my plate and watch cartoons and eat Spam and eggs and garlic, garlic fried rice. I can see why that has a certain resonance. And and I haven't, you know, every time I eat that now, which is not as often as I, you're not supposed to eat Spam that much. (laughs) So um, every time I eat it, I just get transformed back to those days, like, you know, being a kid and like you know, like my oversized clothes, yep. <laughs> like right. watching TV sure. right? and, you know, like my mom and dad eating with me and laughing yeah. at Tom and Jerry. You know what I mean? Like,
0: yeah. So if you got to go out, you might as well go out yeah. with that good feeling and that yeah. good place in your
1: life. I look at it like it's a death row thing. So yeah, I must right. have did something bad, <laughs> you know. So like let's transport back to a time like right before you die. Let's yeah. think about like the happiest moments of your life yeah, and I, at sure. that time. That's what I was eating. Well, that's outstanding. Yeah. Um Speaking of happiest times of our lives, I'm about to go to Egg Slut here in about yeah. an hour. What should I order? Uh, it, it's like, okay. So we have this thing. It's called the Fairfax, okay. right? It's like our number one selling sandwich. The story goes, <clears throat> we didn't have it on the menu. Right, I always had a tub of sriracha mayo oh. underneath my station because yes. I put it on everything. Uh-huh. And at the time, no one was like it wasn't mass branded at oh, all. Yeah, like, oh. before so, sriracha was sriracha. Subway didn't have sriracha yeah, mayo right, back right, then. Right, right, right. <clears throat> and um, and we would have it under there, and you know we would make family meal, and sometimes it'd just be scrambled eggs and sriracha mayo. Yeah. And one day, one of the customers was like, "Hey, what the hell is that?" Mm. And I was like, "It's sriracha mayo and scrambled eggs. Do you want to try it?" And the next thing you know, it started to become a thing. It was the hack. The yeah. It hack. was a hack. And then GQ and Details magazine made it the third best sandwich <laughs> in the country. And because purely because one of the writers ate it that 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 week we were doing it. Sure. And so now it's on the menu. I would get that. Okay. Done. I, I would get that, but I would add Bacon and avocado. Done and done. Yeah, because... All my favorites. Yeah, that's what we... We ended up calling that the Mateo. Okay. So Fairfax was a street that we were originally parked on. That's where it's named off of. Gotcha. But then the addition of bacon and avocado is off of Mateo because that's where we were parked at in downtown... Before we open the brick and mortar,
0: so just order the Mateo. I don't need to do the Fairfax Mateo. You know what?
1: Nowadays, with the like the way we're growing, I don't even know if the cashier would know what a Mateo is. So oh, yeah. So
0: get the Fairfax and add, get the add-ons. Add-ons. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. Got Bacon it. and an I avocado. Got
1: it. Keep it pure. Get a fresh squeezed orange juice. And then, I mean, we're living life the very best way. Yeah. The
0: way life was intended. Yeah. <laughs> Chef Alvin Kailan, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks the House for, for House, having my me, friend. Man. I love having you. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks there we go my taste buds thank you so much to chef alvin kailan if you're in new york get yourself to that chef's club counter that he talked about we are about to have a nice conversation with our pal mallory rubin about the state of food delivery but first how about a nice word from spice islands podcast pals fall is here and for me that means cooking richer heartier recipes that keep me warm and satisfied during the cooler months for a noticeably richer flavor i always opt for premium spices from spice islands by sun drying many of their spices and de-stemming Their chili peppers by hand, Spice Islands uses a craft approach to deliver the most authentic and intense flavor possible. They also take extra steps to ensure the richness of their flavors, like cryogenically freezing their cumin to preserve its oils or milling their own garlic to a true powder so it doesn't add grittiness to your dishes. Better yet, Spice Islands maintains a strict standard for each item to ensure consistency, quality, and flavor. So whether you're looking for flavor adventure or simply better tasting meals, my friends, fill your pantry with Spice Islands and taste the difference in every bottle. Visit spiceislands.com slash house for more spice facts and delicious recipes, including one for spiced maple carrots. Oh, delicious. A quick, simple side to compliment any meal. That is spiceislands.com slash house and pick up Spice Island spices in the premium spice section of your local retailers. My friends, I'd also like to share with you a quick word from our friends at Capterra. Podcast pals, there is a software solution to every business need, and capterra.com can help you find yours. Whether you are a startup, Looking to keep better track of customers, a nonprofit hoping to have a record fundraising year, or a business that simply needs better payroll software, Captera's got you covered. They have over 400 categories of business software for you to choose from. Anything from email marketing to scheduling to accounting and beyond. Captera makes it easy. To Find what you're looking for, and you won't waste time on free trials that go nowhere because Captera has thousands of ratings and reviews from actual software users just like you that will help you curate that search, my friends. Best of all, using Captera is absolutely free. Captera connects you with the business software that will help you do what you do better. Visit capterra.com slash carbs today and join the millions of people who use capterra that's capterra c-a-p-t-e-r-r-a.com slash carbs capterra.com slash carbs check it out today all right podcast pals you know how we do here at house of carbs we love to leverage our ringer resources. You know this woman. I'm not going to talk about her credentials as it relates to her relationship with the ringer. Let's just talk about her credentials in the realm of food delivery. Oh God. My friends, you know her as the princess of Postmates. You may know her as the doyen of DoorDash. She's definitely the countess of caviar. Mallory Rubin, what is happening?
2: Wow. What an intro. Yeah. I wish people could see how I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> I made it blush. I'm honestly flattered we that. You haven't was even beautiful. had coffee yet and you're already no, blushing. I no love coffee. It. That's probably part of it, is my like my you know, body chemistry and the blood levels all, all a little out of whack <laughs> until I have at least three iced coffees from Food and Bounty.
0: Well look, we uh, at the beginning of the year, before there was even a house of carbs. That's right. Was we,
2: there such a time?
0: There were, no, I don't it, remember it. He had a B H O C. I don't. I and it's it's a a vast distant Dark historical days. right. Dark days. Yeah, there was the sun didn't exist. Um, we were on a podcast together with the pod father himself, Bill Simmons, the one and only. The the one and only. And we had the pleasure of discussing our experiences with the food delivery mechanisms in our respective jurisdictions.
2: A breakthrough in our relationship, I think we can fairly say.
0: I agree with you. It's true. <laughs> we are we are much closer now. Uh, probably not appropriate to tell our spouses how close, but no. we're close. No. Yeah,
2: let's let's leave that up to the imagination. We're food close. That's Before it. it was just discussions about massing,
0: the, <laughs> oh, the nats God. and the o's and the broadcast Jesus. booths,
2: and now we have so much,
0: so much more. So uh, we kind of set a, a, a uh, <laughs> we set the floor at that moment in terms of what we were experiencing from our, our uh, respective delivery uh, machinery in our respective locales. And I think it's time, you know, 10 months have gone by. Wow! Let's do a quick check-in on the state of food delivery. Okay. Now, when we got together last time, we did a ranking. Yeah. I think it's fair. Maybe we can repost the ranking. I don't know if it matters. I can't imagine anybody cares. But we're going to give our ranking right now. Okay. And I will, just in terms of setting um, the table, I'm still only ordering from three different delivery mechanisms. Okay. It's still, for me, only Postmates, DoorDash, and Caviar. Okay. Have you expanded your delivery horizons?
2: Not only have I not expanded, I've contracted. <laughs> contracted. Oh I've my. contracted because since we last discussed discussed this at length, LA Bite has ceased to exist. It got oh bought up. Oh, whoa! By Grubhub, and LA Bite was heavily in our rotation. Sort of just out of, like, a bit of maybe a misplaced loyalty and primacy bias, because it was the first one we discovered when we moved to Los Angeles four years ago. Yeah. The habits become ingrained. You see the little, you know, most frequently ordered item up top. There's, there's comfort and familiarity. Oh and so my. we kept going, even though most of those places were on other apps. It's gone now, and we have not switched over to Grubhub, because most of the places that we were going to L.A. Byte for, we can find elsewhere anyway. So for me, it's still... Mostly Postmates and Caviar. We had a brief dalliance with DoorDash. Uh huh. Very short lived. Yeah. Well, Very short lived. Well,
0: maybe that's a, a good place to start because uh, my experience over the past, say, three or four months with with DoorDash, it, they 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 attained the 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 rare and definitely not coveted. A uh, grade of an F minus minus minus. Wow. I had an F triple minus experience with Doordash Tell me everything. maybe two months ago. This is the 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 you know most cliched thing ever. I wanted a pizza on a Friday night. Sure. Now out out of You're bef- a human being in the world. Before computers existed, a pizza on a Friday night was a thing that a that a person with a phone could get. Absolutely and it was reasonable to expect that pizza to come Anywhere from forty-five minutes to an hour and fifteen minutes, depending on what time you're ordering. And I would indulge an hour and fifteen minutes for my for mypizza.com. Sure. Because if
2: it's the right pizza. Yeah,
0: it's yeah. the right pizza. And and Friday night, you know, uh, if I'm calling at 630, it's not like you, you know, I, I, I it's reasonable to have an expectation that it's gonna be there at 655. Um so I I did my thing. I you know, DoorDash is built on uh this information platform—I'm gonna get all the words wrong. I, all the tech folks in Silicon Valley can help help clean this up, I'm sure. But they—they they show you information about how quickly something can come. Right. There's a bunch of filters that you can use, and the most important piece of information for me—and—and um, and many times I will base my food delivery decision on this—is how quickly you can get it there. Of course, because I know that for like with DoorDash. The uh, cachet of restaurants, the institutions that they um, go and, and, and pick up the, uh, my, my vital lifeblood from, um, <laughs> fit a certain class. Right. So <laughs> at choosing between, you know, there are three or four different pizza places that are all, like, fine for the purposes of that, that Friday night pizza delivery. Right. Um, so I chose the one that was supposed to get there in the shortest amount of time. Reasonable. Yeah. So DoorDash has been notoriously, in my experience, guilty of the timing bait and switch. Okay. So you they're overpromising. Well, they say it's here, they they show you a thirty-five to forty-five minute window for right. for a particular uh, restaurant. Okay, that has my attention. I'm going to choose that restaurant, go in there, create my order. When I'm done creating my order and and I you know uh, attempt to effectuate it. The updated time this has ha- this happened more than once in, in in the last six months with doordash dash went in the direction of like sixty to 75 minutes
2: just while you're placing the order. Yes, yes. oh my goodness. so
0: that bait and switch all by itself, an enormous frustration.
2: and then the actual delivery time ends up being even longer than that
0: Sometimes less than that okay. so I, I you know. That there is a, a, there was a huge variety. I was going to say is as though I would be using the present tense about my relationship with DoorDash, <laughs> the but it's strictly past tense, DoorDash. <laughs> of course, because you couldn't deliver a pizza to me, no. not 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 at all. You so, shut
2: the door on DoorDash.
0: I shut the door on DoorDash because the way this story ends, the uh, they they have uh, an important thing with with them apparently is there there's. Communication mechanism with their drivers and and their drivers, I guess, are responsible for placing the order. I've never quite understood okay. how the order gets to the restaurant. Right. But uh, this particular driver called me, you know, very close to when the, the pizza was due to be delivered. Showed up at the restaurant and said the pizza was never ordered. And I said, Well, I don't. What does that have to do with me? Right.
2: Why are you telling me, bud? Yeah, I, <laughs>
0: I can't do anything about that. You order the pizza and then bring it to my house, right. and I called DoorDash and complained and said, "You know what's going on here?" Um, and for another sixty minutes, I had an ongoing conversation. And this is where it got surreal. I wanted a significant um, uh, refund in terms of of all of the delivery costs sure. and the tax, you know, everything associated with the service component. Right. That was not their first offer. Their first offer to me. To try and make me satisfied. And by the way, this is while I was expecting the pizza to be delivered. (laughs) You know, while the guy's standing at the restaurant. We began a negotiation. You're hungry. You're cranky. They offered me, I think, a $10 credit. Which was not, it was barely, but it was not, it was barely half of what the service and delivery fee. Yeah,
2: that's not going to cut it. For this
0: thing, this whole exercise. Right, not even close. So that's what I said. At a minimum, I think because you have missed the mark in terms of why you exist. Delivery and service. I I don't have delivery and I'm not I'm not getting any kind of service. Right. You've missed I want all that back. Yep. Well, that means I have to go ask my manager and then we ended up in a very personal conversation. This I-
2: entire exchange was with your delivery person no not with the central base
0: central base okay because i reached out to central base immediately because okay. i was incensed okay about getting a phone call from the driver and
2: even that person at central base played the i need to check with the manager card yes interesting because central okay. base is
0: the one who, who initiated the five to ten dollar credit the delivery guy
2: was just like i got nothing for you yeah, yeah yeah including uh, a pizza
0: I'm going I feel like I should stop the story because I could keep going and keep going. It got very surreal. I learned how many children the woman <laughs> at, at central base had, and the and the complexity of of her job. She attempted a sympathy angle with me. 45 minutes later, she informed me that the, the delivery guy had canceled the order. Oh my! God. So that not only had uh, they 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 failed at trying to make the situation right in terms of the money exchange, but they they just flat out failed to deliver an effing pizza on a Friday night because of whatever communication failure between the driver and central base and whatever the expectations were about how that order was going to be placed and what he thought he heard from me, it was a capital C, luster, F-U-C-K. It was a capital, all caps. So uh, that was it.
2: And so you never got the pizza?
0: No, no. No, because he canceled the order. And this was like 97 minutes after I placed the order, maybe even longer than that.
2: I have a couple follow-up questions. First of all, I'm very sorry. F minus, minus, minus. (laughs) You had to go through that. That's terrible. Did you immediately place an order through another service?
0: No. I I picked up the phone, called the restaurant, ordered the pizza, drove to the restaurant, picked up the pizza, and had it back in my house in probably a 25-minute round trip.
2: Did that relatively painless, risk efficient experience in which you were personally in control, and which you had full agency over the situation, lead you to any self-reflection about your own delivery on-demand economy habits and lead to any change? Are you using delivery apps across the board less or are you just using DoorDash less? I have Like were you right back in it next day?
0: Right back in it next okay. day. That's Didn't my, change. That's it. my boy.
2: I was worried for Didn't a minute. Didn't change
0: a damn thing. <laughs> I am an on-demand, you know. I I'm relying on that service economy. I, I have all the expectations. I'm still, you know, uh uh incensed when uber does the bait and switch in terms of time oh this car is only two minutes away okay let me order it oh it's 11 minutes you sons of bitches but i still i i mean you know relatively speaking these are all first world problems sure. i recognize it and i Absolutely. get it and not getting a pizza on a friday night while highly vexing extraordinarily it is vexing, extraordinarily frustrating and I didn't. Uh, I, I was able to not use any bad words with, the, with either the delivery person or the person at, at, at home base. A lot of bad words were said. I assure you. But I, I still, I never want to get in my car and go and pick up a pizza. No, I just course, don't want to do of that. Of course right? not. Especially on a Friday night.
2: Absolutely not. You've worked a long, hard day. That's
0: it. You're a home, long, hard week.
2: A long, hard week. You're home finally. Yeah. It's your beautiful family.
0: <laughs> Something like that.
2: And what do you want? You want a pizza for yourself? Fuck the family, <laughs> and who's gonna bring it to you?
0: Now, now this is the thing, and this I layered this in. Uh, I actually had included in the order something for my son, and you know, in terms of choosing the pizza restaurant, there are a couple in the DC area. He can't eat dairy, so we, there, there are God bless them restaurants in the DC area that will do a vegan cheese. So he has a vegan cheese pizza with pepperoni because oh. he, he's a meat eater. I mean, he is my son after all. Of course, But uh, so that, that was part of it. He was hungry. And, and him being hungry, that anxiety, like I can be hungry. I can go long periods of time without food. I'm like a camel. I take, my, I take in my whole thing. I can eat a whole day's worth of food in a single meal and then be fine for 28 to 32 hours. Oh, my goodness. Six-year-old boy, he needs to eat every two hours.
2: How many snacks were consumed during this vexing
0: period? Millions, millions of <laughs> snacks. I mean, he we he had to wait till eight o'clock at night to have dinner on a pizza that was you know, we we commenced at five forty five.
2: It's terrible.
0: F minus minus minus. DoorDash, you are off the list.
2: Okay, so which company has received your DoorDash business?
0: So this is the the, the it's always been the case that the very best experience for me delivery wise is caviar. Yeah. Oh, you just said yeah. It was, she's giving a confirmatory head nod. If we had the video on this, you would see.
2: Yeah, so, I've had a bit of a caviar conversion.
0: Me too. Yeah, and the reason is because uh, so caviar um, previously, in my experience, was a place with um, you know pretty limited supply of, of uh, right. restaurants and tending towards sort of higher end. So mm-hmm. I treated it literally as my caviar ordering sure. experience. Right. But they have um, expanded. They're continue- always continuing to expand. The thing I like the most about Caviar is their information is the best information. Right. They never bait and switch. Right. They always tell the truth about where they are, how long the process is going to take. They're forecasting. You know The updates are, are, are on target. Now, DoorDash attempts to do that. They're just terrible at it.
2: <laughs> yeah, Caviar – they i i like also that the the clarity and the transparency extends to within the actual menu for each restaurant like items will just fall off yeah. if they're not there so you're much less likely to be surprised that something you ordered isn't available or just doesn't show up like the postmates was my favorite for a long time just because of volume right like why fundamentally existentially even
0: existentially do
2: we like these
0: apps sure choice yes
2: freedom yeah right the ability to in theory have the entire culinary experience of your city available to you literally just with a few finger taps postmates did that for a long time better than way better than anyone else because there was no delivery zone limit uh-huh. right yeah. you could say i want to get a meatball sub from Bay Cities in Santa Monica delivered to my home in central Los Angeles, even though the delivery fee on that order is going to be considerably more than the total (laughs) of the order itself. And you could do that.
0: You could do that. You could not do that. That's like a $45 delivery.
2: Yeah, it's outrageous. (laughs) But here's the thing. Guess what's not on Postmates anymore? What? Bay Cities. So a lot of restaurants... In the past couple months, have started falling off of Postmates entirely. Huh. We, ha- my husband and I, had a, a extremely irresponsible but also highly enjoyable period of ordering brunch from Republic like oh. every
1: weekend oh.
2: <laughs> through Postmates. Yeah, not available anymore. Oh, it's let me call. It, he sent me a little list. Yeah, let's some see of, it. some of the this places list. that we like to order from on Postmates that aren't available anymore. Let's see, Luxon. Here's my very quick. This is a tangent within I don't know a tangent this because I started talking about caviar, then I switched to Postmates. Now I'm going to do a quick DoorDash story for you. Here, Lakshan <laughs> is one of our favorite restaurants in Los Angeles. You should go. You okay, love it. it's delicious. Okay. It's in the old, uh, the old like renovated Helms Bakery warehouse.
0: Wow. Yeah, cool, district cool. over yes. in
2: Culver City. Right, really amazing food, small Great. plate share style, excellent, lovely fire pit. Suddenly, one day there it is on Postmates, and it's like a beautiful thing. You can't get everything delivered because the restaurant itself would not send out basically seafood items.
0: Sure, sure, understood. You get
2: some crab fried rice.
0: Yeah, you know. I respect that you game. By the way, you get some
2: Szechuan dumplings. Me too. I think yeah. that kind of that level of control and curation is, is important. Yes, I agree. We ordered from Luxon every week. It vanished, <laughs> vanished from Postmates. I went through a state of crippling withdrawal. To so the point where I I begged Adam to basically conduct a search. Is this available anywhere else? Is there any other delivery system that will bring us Luxon? Guess what? DoorDash. They had briefly set up an exclusive relationship. I see. So we set up a DoorDash account just to get Lockshon. Two and a half hours. Two yeah. and a half hours. Right.
0: So that's I never mean, again. Yeah.
2: And I think it's gone anyway. Yeah. But little doms, out in Los Feliz. That is sometimes on caviar, but it's outside of our delivery range. So every now and then we see it, but we can't get it. Oh,
0: Not the on Postmates tease, anymore. The tease.
2: In and out, you know, just stop doing the, the delivery. Huh. Chick fil A, no longer on Postmates. When did that happen? Gang Chow, a favorite
0: I, I'm conversation point shim- of,
2: of yours and Bill's, no longer available on Postmates. That was there for a while. Extremely upsetting. You get accustomed to a certain variety in your life and then it's gone so here's the point if the thing that you went to postmates for which was just the volume Mm -hmm. number of options ceases to be a draw why not go to the place with the better overall experience right which is caviar and it's been a little bit of like an inverse correlation more stuff is also appearing on caviar including my number one go-to for delivery John and Vinny's, suddenly on caviar. What?
0: John and Vinny's is on caviar? Yes,
2: suddenly on caviar. And I'm ordering it for lunch. I, you should. Are you kidding me? Here's the other thing. They do a great job of showing you exactly where in the day the transitional menu is. So, you know, yeah. breakfast items are going to be there now. It's going to switch to the lunch menu, and you're going to know. You're not going to be duped into thinking you can get the soft scramble with the burrata and then getting the Postmates text saying, this menu is no longer available, and then you have to opt in to the little substitution menu that doesn't really work because it only—it's only paired with like items, and what you're if the other like mind. items aren't available either? I can't handle it. Oh, it's incredible. I also like that caviar has photos of the food.
0: Yeah,
1: because me too.
2: Like it's—it's it's not the kind of thing you want if you're at like a. Uh, I don't know, like a like a strip mall or something or like a food court and seeing pictures gives you kind of like a gross vibe. The, this is like sheer information, the power of information. You as a consumer are armed with more intel. When you look at that photo on the red o caviar page and you yeah. say, I know exactly what that Mexican street corn looks like and I cannot wait to have it.
0: Yeah, this is and and and, you know, uh, hat tip to caviar. The pictures are good quality. Right, They're high. They They make the food they, – they, yes. they are not like your food court strip mall where you look up and, and the food is, doesn't look edible. Correct. But, yeah, I, in my own self, have tried dishes from restaurants that I already have a relationship with, but dishes that look appealing to me from the pictures because of the way of that Caviar is presenting it.
2: Absolutely. Me too. I agree. And that's part of what's appealing about the technology in the first place is, like, it's a tool for exploration, yes. I think. Like, I know – That when I talk about this, when we talk about this, we sound best case, generous, charitable assessment, unhinged, worse, dangerous to ourselves and to society. Probably. But I'm okay with that. Yeah. Because I know I, I understand the reality of my life, and that is I work very hard. Yeah. And then I'm tired. And in those beautiful, precious moments of downtime, I have no interest in exerting energy, cooking, or even going out. There's a cap on what I can do. These apps can bring the city to me.
0: Yeah, look, uh we obviously are not alone because the apps wouldn't exist if if we were, you right. know, such a such a siloed class you and I. With you. If we were in our own little vertical. We're not in our own vertical. No. Lots of people are in our vertical. <laughs> and uh you know, I, I hope that it's the case, and I, I take great comfort from the uh, expansion that you're describing with caviar. I'm hoping it's the case that more people are catching on yeah. to that ca- and that's why more restaurants are coming online with caviar. Now, here's what's interesting to me. You and I, uh, as, as um, voracious consumers <laughs> of the food delivery mechanism, why haven't we tried Uber Eats or Amazon?
2: Okay. Glad you asked. Thing, I've been thinking about this a lot. So Uber Eats, I have sampled here and there. Me too. Never because I chose to. Mm-hmm. So like back in the day when we were working downtown. Yeah. Actually, this is another Bay City story. Bay, Bay City is really like a like formative part of my delivery experience. I'm realizing that now. The godmother sandwich from bay cities so it's available it's one of the uber eats featured items on i think wednesday or at least it used to be i have not looked in in literally two years so i don't know but back in the day it was and if a colleague would say hey i'm going to place an order you want one what am i going to say to that no no the answer to that question is never going to be no that's not for me no so that was my experience with it and it's like okay fine but again i want choice Mm -hmm. and uber eats by definition caps your choice that's right it's here's what we have said is available to you today yes and when you're adding that limitation to the uh fundamental pre-existing wrinkle of food's just been in my car all day right not super appealing
0: exactly right
2: in terms of the other apps i've heard good things certainly about eat 24 yeah the amazon thing is intriguing right
0: grubhub is okay now and
2: then you you have to place a grubhub or a seamless order Uh if you're a person in the world
0: if you're a person in the world that's right
2: i think that you reach the point of paralysis by analysis yeah right there's just you want choices of restaurants within the one app that you are choosing to exist in in that moment but you don't want to Look at your phone and say, I don't even know where to begin here. I don't even have an entryway into my own life tonight. Like (laughs) I just can't figure out where to start. So I think the things that these companies are doing that's smart though, and the way that ultimately they will hook us both in. Yeah. Exclusive relationships with restaurants.
0: For sure. That's that's the thing. Because if
2: you really want something, if I found out right now that Luxon were again available to me, yeah, and it was on one of these other apps, I was 100% 100% set up an account today and by I would 100% set up an account today I mean I would 100% text Adam and say set up an account today
0: <laughs> and then
2: we would order a lovely meal later and it would be great. Right. Yeah. But is that is that your logic as well or is there another factor at play for well, you?
0: Well no. I So um, I understand that Uber is attempting um, some innovation to get Outside of just the Uber Eats, where it's the food riding around in the car um, thing, but you can you can uh, and I I don't know if this exists in Washington yet, you can essentially use an Uber to go pick up food from a restaurant that you choose. Right, right, right. So it would it's it's kind of the Uber version of Postmates, and if I could get black car class black black (laughs) class black car class for that black car class, say that ten times fast. If I could have, you know, that that top of sure. um, service, uh, uh, you know, assurance and pay that little bit of a premium for, for like the black car level of food delivery, that's intriguing to me.
2: Absolutely. Because I agree. I think that you – one of the risks that I envision, you end up with one of the other Postmates problems, which is – Too dependent on the driver. Yeah. Again, part of the appeal of caviar is that there is the exclusive – we should state this for the record. The restaurants on caviar have agreed to be on caviar. Right. Postmates, you you can just basically type in anything. At some point, the restaurant might say, we don't want to be a part of this. But it's basically just someone going in and ordering your food for For you. For sure. Right? So I want the hummus with the shishito peppers from Farida. Down the street from our office here, but I'm already home and I want it at home. Guess what? No Postmates in the area Right on Sunset Boulevard, right. which, like, if there aren't delivery people in West Hollywood on a Wednesday night, then I'm not sure what function the app is serving, but that's a different matter entirely. So, same thing. What happens when you need an Uber just a right now when you yes. need an Uber yeah. or a Lyft, sometimes you can't get the car. Right. Right. Because it's just a supply and demand thing. It's That's a volume it. thing. It's about the bodies. There's not baked in guarantee that the person, the establishment on the other end of it has said, We're here for you. We know you might be coming and we're prepared.
0: Yeah. Right. So
2: there's a lot of risk. I know. And I don't really want risk.
0: This is the thing. I can't I can't have a two and a half hour pizza. Experience. It's I never working. want that again it's in the re- for the whole for the whole rest of my life. Really? Now, look, we uh, I'm, I think we should wrap this up. This is just a state of the delivery union yeah. for for just right now. And I'd like all of the delivery folks out there to understand okay. that you know your, with your apps and stuff. We are very open minded, Mallory and Absolutely. I, and our expectations are not high. We just want reliability. That's right. we, it doesn't need to be at our house in 17 minutes, yeah. you know, in, in, in perfect uh, replication of, of what the restaurant, the way the restaurant would would prepare it and, and serve it to me if I was sitting there. Yeah. We just want some basic reliability. Is that that's fair? Right.
2: Absolutely, and we're grateful. We're grateful to even be in a world where this conversation is possible.
0: That that's a fact. <laughs> Mallory Rubin, always a pleasure. We'll, we'll we'll get together again in another few months and see if there's been new entrants. If any of these folks have stepped up their games, I'm interested in seeing if DoorDash can get moved beyond the F minus minus minus. I might give them a, a try somewhere along the way, wow. just for
2: you're so open minded. Well,
0: and you know, uh, I could probably expense it because this is this is part of a house of carbs. You this know. is
2: research this
0: really is research that's exactly right it's
2: an honor to be here with
0: you thank, thank you. you always all right my taste buds there we go thank you so much for the listen to House of oh, oh. part of the Ringer Podcast Network thanks again to Gio Palatucci awesome suggestion for the taste buds that's how we do that belly sourcing you can hit us up at the email address, houseofcarbsfans at gmail.com, on the Twitter, and on our brand new Instagram handle at the House of Carbs, please don't hesitate. Jump in there, belly source with us. Make sure to give us a review on iTunes. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We have a great one coming up next week. The one and only Von Miller is off on his bye week five bye week joining us here on House of Carbs, talk a little bit about what he eats on his bye week We're going to do some tailgating with the ringer's own Tate Frazier. That is all coming up next week. But until then, my podcast pals, my taste buds, let's stay hungry out there.